Okay, we will go ahead and get started <clears throat> today um, uh, in our study of the life of Christ through a harmony of the Gospels. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, <clears throat> and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 21 through 35. Matthew chapter 21, uh, uh, 18 verses 21 through 35. And to start off the lesson, uh, I want to ask you guys, why did Jesus go to the cross? What was the purpose of Jesus going to the cross? To be a sacrifice for our sins. To be a sacrifice for our sins. Okay, anybody else? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he loved us so much. It was an expression of his love, no doubt. So he went to be a sacrifice for our sins. It was an expression of love. And uh, anybody else? Why did Jesus go to the cross to die? You're looking for something, aren't you? Well, I think y'all both hit on it. I, I think both the answers are correct. I just wanted to kind of see if we could get somebody else to talk about it. When you think about the cross, what do you think about? When you think about why, why Jesus went to the cross, what comes to mind? He went to be a sacrifice for us. Good. Salvation. Good. Salvation. Good. That's exactly right. So all of those are correct answers. <clears throat> so through the work that he did on the cross... Uh, the last words that he said on the cross was what? Who remembers what the last words were? That he it, is said? it is finished. Tetelestai is the Greek, and it means paid in full. All right, uh, paid in full. So in the in the uh, back in those days when somebody would finish paying off a a loan that they own owed, people would finish paying off a loan. They would stamp on their bill Tetelestai, paid in full. And if any of you have ever uh, purchased something and had a a, a payment yeah. plan on, on it, layaway. yeah, on layaway, or maybe a house payment, or a car payment, or or anything, and you finally get it paid off. It feels so good to know that the next month that bill's not coming again, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. right. I don't know if I ever got that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of us. Oh, there's no doubt that most of us. Oh, I have but, paid off the layaway, but not a mortgage, not ever. Yeah, but the reality is this: when Jesus died on the cross. Remember last week how we talked about he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was the good shepherd and he come to lay his life down for his sheep. And by saying it is finished, what he was saying was the debt had been paid in full. Everything that the child of God owes for every sin that they have ever committed, the ones from yesterday, the ones from today, and the ones from tomorrow, were paid in full. And that's very important for us to be forgiven because in Adam, all of us are guilty. We all owe. Okay. Now, if any of you, I know that none of you in this room, since this is a, a transitional ministry, I know that none of us in this room have ever stood before a judge. I just know that's never happened. <laughs> but you do realize that when you stand before a judge, one thing that a judge is not allowed to do is forgive you. Judges cannot be forgiving. What is the responsibility of a judge? To uphold the, to law. Uphold the law. And the law always says what? Guilty or innocent. innocent. But always we beg for mercy from the judge. But a judge, a true judge, cannot show mercy. He has to condemn us according to the law. Now, if I'm innocent then he can release me. He can say, you don't owe. You're not guilty. You're innocent. You can go free. 
But on Judgment Day, every son of Adam that has ever lived and drawn breath on this earth is going to stand before our judge and answer to him for the life that we have lived. Every word we've said, every feeling we've felt, every thought we've had, and everything that we've done to God and neighbor, we're going to answer to him for that. And Jesus' death on the cross ensures that the child of God will be found innocent. Now, is the child of God innocent? No. But Christ bore our guilt on that cross. So now the judge can judge us according to the law. And according to the law, I am innocent. Why? Because it's been paid for. There's nothing to charge anymore. I don't. Right, even if we have a debt to the court and we can't be released until it's paid, or even if somebody else paid our debt for us, the debt was paid. That's exactly so right. So we could be released. That's exactly right. And so what we need to understand today is this forgiveness is vital, forgiveness is necessary. And without it, we perish forever. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when you think about Jesus screaming out those words on the cross with his dying breath, it is finished. It is paid in full. It is finished. One thing that he did not say was, all right, I did my part. Now it's up to you. His death on the cross is the only thing that is necessary for our salvation. His death on the cross is what saves us. Well, why do a lot of the churches that on this and that? you got to get baptized and you got to do this and you got to be immersed in the water. And... Because in order to be saved, we must put our trust in Christ. And unfortunately, as human beings, one of our defaults... Uh, positions. My default, my natural tendency as a human being is to not trust God and to try to do it myself. Hmm. Now, where do we get that from? Well, go back to Genesis chapter 3 and watch Adam and Eve. Had everything they could ever want, ever need. God had provided everything. And instead of trusting Him, they turned away from Him and tried to do it their way. And so that's why churches have all of their little bells and whistles and smoke and incense and and extra givings and etc etc so by Jesus dying on the cross he ensured the forgiveness for a people and who are those people all of those who believe on him and if you are his child today then you have been forgiven and it is finished and you can live your the rest of your life in peace knowing that you are saved and that when you stand before the judge, you will be found innocent because of what he did on the cross. Now, each and every one of us in this room know that we're not innocent. And the truth of the matter is, even as his children, we daily deny our Father, don't we? In thought, word, and action. Every day. And at times in our lives, even as his children, we fall into patterns of sin. We do. Right. Uh, we were just talking about one of our, our fellow uh, classmates here who had relapsed. Now, I don't think that that was uh, 
a surprise to anybody that someone would relapse because every one of us in this room are capable of it. And the more we put our trust in ourselves, the more likely we are to do just by that. The more we put our trust in Christ, uh, the more chances that we're going to trust in his strength and not our own, and the more chances we'll be able to stand strong. But it's all about trusting him. And so in today's lesson, he's going to emphasize to us the importance of forgiveness. <clears throat> and we've talked about this in the past. And I, and I guess one of the major themes that we need to hear in this group today is this. A forgiven person is forgiving. Let me say that again. A forgiven person is forgiving. One of the greatest assurances that you can have that you are truly a child of God and have been forgiven is when you recognize the need to forgive others. Because if I'm not forgiving others, then I am judging others. So, I want to try a little experiment, uh, just a really quick illustration that I've used often teaching this uh, lesson. And I want you to play along, and then we'll read the text and we'll get into Jesus' teaching. How many of you in this room can think right away, right now, of someone who has truly hurt you? Uh, Maybe that was somebody that hurt you when you were 6 or 16 or 26 or... Six days ago or just a couple hours ago. Maybe. Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Lunch. All right. So, lunch. Okay. So think of that one who truly scarred your life. Who even to this day you still have trouble forgetting what they've done. Right. We all have that person. And I, I'm pretty certain that every one of you know exactly who I'm talking about in your mind right now. Right. Now, what I want you to understand is this. If that person that you were thinking of, if they're still alive, if that person that you're thinking of right now, if God were to truly open their heart to their wickedness and allow them to see what they've done and break their heart and they truly turn to him and come to him and say, God, please forgive me for hurting her or please forgive me for hurting him. What is God going to do? Forgive him. He's going to forgive him. You see, what we need to understand is this. God is the judge, not me and you. And I want you to also remember this. You know how you're thinking about that person that's hurt you? There's a very good chance that there's someone else in the world who you would come to mind when that question was posed to them. Because one of our natural tendencies when we get hurt to hurt others you see and so forgiveness is so important because it sets us free to be the people that God has created us to be it sets us free to enjoy life and to enjoy peace and happiness and joy and freedom but we have to know it ourselves and once we know it ourselves we have to be willing to share it with others all right. Now, I do know that many people in this room um, have struggled in their lives with addiction. And one thing that most addicts have in common is this. They will say something like this. Well, I can forgive them, but I cannot forgive 
Myself. Mm-hmm. How many of you have I, ever said that? I, I was about to say that. If, if you, if there's really, if there hadn't been anybody to, to hurt you, but you hurt yourself by the things that you have done, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> the things that you have done to people, mm-hmm. um, forgiveness to yourself is the hardest, hardest Good. thing. All right. You're, you're exactly right. It, it's, it's the hardest thing. And, and, and I know because I, I, I have never had any addictions, okay? I had a good life. But the thing, but I, I chose the wrong things to do. And, and you know, sometimes not even at my age, I think, well, it's all coming back. It's slowly coming back. And I, and, and I can't forgive myself for, for 20 years back and, and I know that, that, that I have to forgive myself but forgiving yourself is the hardest thing okay you're, you're that, exactly that, right that a person and I would, I, would, I would be willing to tell you this I would be willing to say that everybody in this room would agree with you not, not in the fact that what they would agree with is this they have done some terrible things in their life and that 20 years ago and it still bothers them that it might oh, come yeah. back even longer right on me. And what we need to understand is when Jesus died on the cross, he died to take that weight away. Because here's the reality. When it comes to saying, I can't forgive myself, you are not the judge. And we're not trusting God's word. You are not the judge. Now think about that. If every court in the United States started allowing the defendant to be the judge... What would happen? They just about do. <laughs> huh? Up in New York and all that. What, what would happen if you were the defendant? In our fallen human nature, we would go easy on ourselves. Yeah. Set yourself free. You see what I'm saying? We would do that. So the reality is this. You are not the judge. And the truth of the matter is we are all human beings and we are all flawed and we have all made really, really selfish and self-destructive decisions in our lives. And a lot of those decisions that we made 20 years ago, we are definitely still paying for. Hmm. But if we have trusted Christ and his blood has covered that sin, we are innocent before our Heavenly Father and He is the true judge and so what we have to learn to do is to live free and one of the ways that you will know that you are truly free is when you are willing to give that freedom to others you see how that works and that's what this lesson does so let's read the text we'll pray and then we'll talk about it at that time this is um, in, uh, Matthew 18 and verse 21 Peter came and said to him Lord How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. That's 490. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. All right. So let's look at verses 21 through 23 really quickly. Go ahead and get that out of the way. What does Peter do? Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, now remember, Peter always wants to be the one to stand out among the disciples. He, he, is, the, he is the one. And a lot of times he professes some of the greatest things. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. 
Peter was one of the first to recognize and profess that, you see. But sometimes Peter puts his foot in his mouth. And at this time, Peter is trying to show all of the other disciples how forgiving he is. So what does he say? Let me show this. He said, Jesus, how often must I forgive somebody if they sin against me? Like seven times. Right? Now that's actually over and beyond. Well, you're... You have, you're required to forgive according to the law of Moses. If someone were to steal a sheep from you, you're supposed to pay them back four times. In the, in the Old Testament, when uh, Cain's son uh, uh, was hurt, he, what did he say? He, uh, he said, I will pay him back uh, seven times for what they've done to me. When, G, uh, when Cain was cast out of the garden, when Cain turned his back on God and walked out of the garden, when God put the mark on Cain, what did he say? If anybody touches Cain, he will be paid back Seven sevenfold, times. seven times as much. So that's a lot. Seven is a lot. But what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, no, Peter, not just seven times, but seven times, 70 times. And Michael immediately, <laughs> being the good mathematician, let us all know that that is 490 times. Now, what is the point that Jesus is trying to make? He said, I have unlimited forgiveness. Well, 490 is, 490 is, there's a limit to that. Because at 491, you don't have to forgive them anymore. Okay. All right? What is the point Jesus is trying to make? The point Jesus is trying to make is this. If you are counting, you're not forgiving. That's one. That's two. There's also a verse drawing that says not to throw pearls to swine. I mean, if somebody continues to hurt you and is doing it, even if you love them, sometimes you need to step away. You don't have to. To forgive somebody does not mean that you have to put yourself in harm's way. Okay. So, to forgive. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there are some instances, maybe of someone in this room today, who, if they were to go back to someone who they had hurt, and ask them for forgiveness, uh, it could cause them physical harm. Right. You you see what I mean? Right. So, true forgiveness is a forgiveness that you come to God with and you come to the realization in your heart that that person does not owe me anymore. And then you get rid of that weight that you carry and that anger doesn't fester. That's exactly right. That also can be dangerous for ourselves. But by but by saying you don't owe me, you're letting go of a debt. And that's exactly right. what the Father does with you because of what Christ did on the cross for you. He says you do not owe me anymore. So the point Jesus is trying to make here is, is that if you're keeping count, then you're not forgiving. That's once. That's why. Oh, when we get to 491, I'm really going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> See? Not so what you're doing is you're not only uh not forgiving, but you're keeping account of when you're gonna pay them back for what they've done. And so what you're doing is you're being that person's judge. You're you're being the judge. And again, even when it comes to me not forgiving myself. You're still playing judge, and that's not your place. That's God's place. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is taking all of the things that are owed to us 
or that we conceive to be owed us and giving them over to God. And saying, Father, the only one who truly was innocent paid the ultimate price so that I could be forgiven. And so I'm going to let go of these debts and they don't owe me anymore. And that's what you're saying to that person. You don't even have to go to that person. Right. Because in some in some instances it would be dangerous. Now in some cases you could. You know? Uh, I remember a time in my life where I went to my father and I apologized to him. I had so much resentment towards my dad because of the, of the perceived way that I was treated when I was a kid. Like him and my parents divorced when I was six. And I wanted to blame a lot of the way that my life turned out on my parents and the life that they gave me. But at 30 years old, I woke up and realized that he was way much more a responsible man than I was in his age. And how, what kind of father would I have been had I had kids? You see? And so it, I don't know about you guys, but for me, as a child, one day there comes a realization that, you know what? My parents are human beings. And they made a lot of dumb decisions in their life. They made a, bad, a lot of bad choices. But they also love me. And they were dealt some rough cards. You know, they sometimes they sat down at the wrong tables. But the reality is they're human beings. And not only that, I'm a chip off the old block on it. It kind of takes one to know one, doesn't it? Right. You see? And so there had to come a time in my life where I let that go with my dad. Me and my dad have a good relationship now. We love one another. Uh, I sometimes visit at his church and, and we spend time together. Uh, but he's a human being, just like I am, and he and he would tell you uh, he's made some really dumb choices in his life, and it hurt his family and his friends. But I can't be going and looking to my family and my friends for the forgiveness that I need, because one, they're not willing, and two, they're not capable of giving it to me. Turn to God for it, you see. So Peter was saying, "How many times?" And Jesus said, "No, Peter, not just like." Seven times, but 70 times, seven times. And then Jesus is going to do the exact same thing he did last week in our lesson. He's going to turn to a parable, to a parabolic teaching to help us to understand the concept of forgiveness. All right? What I mean by a parabolic teaching is, is, is using an illustration, a life illustration to help us to understand life. Like it's, it's using simple things to help us to understand deep, and and uh, vital concepts of of life and human nature and and the way things are. Earthly story with a heavenly. Meaning. An earthly, yeah. There you go. That's a that's about as good as it gets. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so remember, in the same way, do you remember when Jesus told uh, the Pharisees he freaked them out because he said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you are guilty of adultery. And that was very incriminating because there was not a man in that audience that was not guilty of looking upon a woman. Now these Pharisees wore all the right clothes and spoke all the right language and they walked the walk outwardly. But Jesus was trying to get them to see that the law not only judges our outward man, but our inward man as well. 
And remember that it is the inward that drives the outward in it. And so out of the mouth flows the issues of the heart. And what Jesus is doing with this parable, he's going to use an outward story to help us to grasp something that we need to understand inwardly and share outwardly. And so that's what this parable is going to do. So let's look at the parable. He said, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Where are you exactly? Uh, 1823. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've talked about the king's domain a lot, haven't we? We know what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing. It's the king's domain. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. All right? So, what can I think about immediately when he says there is a king who is going to settle accounts with his servants, his slaves? What what comes to mind when you think of that? Jesus. Okay. Who would the king be? Jesus. Jesus. And when is he going to settle the accounts? On judgment day. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, when he had begun to settle them, there was one who owed him 10,000 talents. And this man was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children and all that he had so that repayment could be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. Okay, now, uh, I have a little note here in my Bible that says, A talent was worth more than 15 years' wages of a labor. All right? 15 years' worth of manual labor. All right, so let's let's just do, let's just do easy math. Let's do, let's just say somebody earns... $10,000 $10,000 a year. This is, all right. Just for easy math. So a talent would have been worth 10 times 15 would be $150,000. That's at $10,000 a year. And, and most people make just a little more than that, right? Let's just say that it was $50,000 a year. The guy would owe what? 450000 Is that right? Five, six, $600,000. Yeah. All right. This guy owed 10,000 talents. What is the point, Jesus? How did he get to have that much debt? How is that even possible? Well, it's very it's very possible. To have that much debt? Apparently, he had a lending king, didn't he? A king that was willing to... He was a foolish king. No, he's not a foolish king. <laughs> no, because remember... So who, we have that much debt with Christ. We do. That's her, certainly. Now, I'm talking about the earthly king, not Christ, of course, but... In the parable. In the parable, All right. Now, think about that. The point that Jesus is trying to make here is, in the same way that he said seven times 70, he's trying to put it into a number that's out there where it's unattainable. Unattainable. The the point of the, the parable is, this wicked servant, this unforgiving servant, owed so much... That he was never, ever going to pay it back. It was never going to be able to be paid back. And Lori, I think you hit it on the head when you said we all owe Christ that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, he, it says, 
he brought the people in to settle his accounts. This man did not have the means to repay. So the king, his lord, commanded that he be sold into his wife and his children and all that he had so that payments could be made. Right? Now, there's there's a little inner story in that I want you to see. He did not have the money to pay. So what did the king say? Your wife, your kids, and all of your property is going to be sold so that I can get some of my money back. Now, what is the underlying message in that? Our debts affect others, don't they? Sure. Our sins not only affect us, but they affect our families and our property and our possessions and everything about us. The, thing, the decisions and the choices that I make today are going to affect my kids. My, well, I don't have kids, but my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, my co-workers, my fellow church members. The things that I do are going to affect others. Now, watch what the guy said. So the slave fell on the ground and prostrated himself before him and said, Have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Now, is it good for us to prostrate ourselves before the king? Yeah. Yes, very much so. But what is wrong with what he said? Have patience with me. He has no way to pay. That's exactly that. right. You see, Michael, remember you talking on a little bit more. Yeah, you remember you talking about why did the churches have all of these little things? Yeah. It's like our way of paying him back. Okay. Oh, look at me. I put money in the offering plate. Oh, look at me. I took communion today. Oh, look at me. I sing in the choir. Oh, look at me. I teach Bible study. Oh, look at me. I wear nice clothes to church. Oh, look at me. I make sure that my kids are in Sunday school every week. Now, are all of those things good? Yeah. Yes, and they're actually commanded by God that we do them. But the reason that we should be doing them, because we love God, because we love Him, not because we owe Him. I got it. it should be an expression of love and not of debt. Because right. there is no debt. Morning. Because I go so early, so I catch Sunday school. Sometimes I'm thinking, ah, maybe I just go to service. But once I get there, I'm so thankful. Yeah. For the lesson. What? But that little battle's going on inside of each and every one of us yeah, every day. Sometimes I feel really guilty about it, though. Right. <laughs> you know, see, I feel guilty. Like, I, I know one time, and you remember at Christmas time, I forgot to teach this class. I was at work at my other job working, and I'd forgotten all about this class. <laughs> and you call, and Lori called me. I felt really guilty. Uh-uh. Yeah? You remember that? It was right before Christmas. I felt so bad about that. Like, how could I forget that? And I felt guilty. And then there's been, uh, but been there times. No there's been times. Uh, right. But but there's been times also where Tuesday is my day. Tuesday and Sundays are my two days off. And I'm just being blunt and honest with you. There's been days where I've been laying around the house taking a nap, curled up with a dog on the couch, going, "Man, I, this is nice. I don't have to work today." Oh no, I got to go do that class. Right. See. <laughs> every every. Uh, but I have Sunday. never, I have never ever been disgruntled once I got here and started doing. Right. What God's called me to do. I get it. But it has to be out of love and not out of debt. Oh, I've got to. As opposed to, oh, I want to. Yeah. 
Right. It first starts out, oh, I got you, but then it ends up, I'm so thankful right. that God let me be a part of these people. Right. And it's, and like, it's like with me, I got to read my Bible, but I'm like, no, I want to read my Bible. Yeah. And it's the times when you truly want to read that you grow the most. Yeah. But, you know, this king never said, I have to forgive this guy. But this man falls before the, the king looking for forgiveness of the debt. But he's not really looking for forgiveness for the debt, is he? What did he say? I'll pay you what I owe you. He just wanted, he just wanted to get out from the presence of the Good. king. Good, yeah. And so, you know, Paul talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians. I think it's 7, 1 Corinthians 7 or 1 Corinthians 10. He talks about the difference in godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Mm-hmm. There's a sorry. Uh, there is a sorry that I got caught sorry. Mm-hmm. And there's you a. You probably never intended to pay him back to begin with, or the debt wouldn't be so high. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, maybe he was just taking taking advantage of a gracious king who was willing to lend. And don't we all? More than we could pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. I think it's a beautiful parable. So, Bank of America. So he fell to the ground and said, "Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything." Now, watch what the king says. The king didn't say, "Okay, I'll be patient with you. I'll give you some more time so you can pay the debt off." He didn't say that, did he? Well, that's because the king knew better. And the lord of that slave felt compassion and released him. And forgave him of the debt. So he felt compassion, released him, forgave him. Why did he feel compassion? It's a good question. He might have been poor before, and he knew before he was a king or something. <laughs> Could have been. Like David, Could have been. And and yes. And and uh, Michael, you I think you nailed it on the head. Um, in James. It, uh, the scriptures tell us that uh, uh, that, and even in Philippians it brings us up that that Christ came and lived among us. In Hebrews it says that we have a, a high priest and intercessor for us that can can relate to our infirmities because he clothed himself in those very, very infirmities. He knew what it felt like to be sick and cold and hungry and tired and sad. And so he can have compassion on us because he knows what we're going through. He clothed himself in humanity and walked among us so that you can't never look at Jesus and say, you don't know how I feel. And I think that's just to help us understand that he knows that we, that we, we know he knows how we feel. Sure. Because, I mean, if, if, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-sovereign and all that good stuff, then he, he already knew how we felt from the get-go. But he wants to help us understand that he knows how we feel. Right. Well, he came down here to relate to us. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, we can now relate to him. Yeah. Because without Christ as that intercessor, as that intermediator, we would never be able to understand him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. All right? Now, the uh, the slave went out. And he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wages. All right? So, the point being is this man has just been forgiven for a hundred and fifty thousand years worth of debt. 
150,000 years worth of debt. And now he goes out of the street and he finds a man that owes him a day's wages. Yeah, it would be like 150 million compared to to ten dollars. The slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him and said, "Pay me back what you owe me." So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, crying, said, have patience with me, and I will repay you. Now, is a day's wage just something that somebody, is that a reasonable debt that you could expect to be repaid? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. it's possible yeah. to be done. Yeah. It'd be like somebody owed you 50 bucks or something, you know. But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him into prison until he could pay back what was owed to him. So he wouldn't have had a guy thrown into jail because in the debtor's prison. Sounds like my ex-wife. So if somebody throws you into prison because you owe them money, are you going to be able to pay them back? No. No, No, you didn't get no money while you were in prison. I know at the little county jail there, they got ATM machines so all the family can go out there and put some money in for the people that's in there so they can buy candy bars and Cokes and, you know, soap and and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see? So he throws this guy into jail because he won't pay. He was unwilling, threw him into prison so that he could pay back what was owed him. And how many of us in our lives have had somebody hurt us really bad and we we live most of our life hoping that they get hit by a bus or get a terrible disease or <laughs> suffer the way that they made me suffer? Yeah? And we all do it. So when the fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported this to their Lord, all that had happened. Now, um, one thing that is very important, um, we, we need to remember um, that Jesus in the passage before what we're reading today had been talking about church discipline and if someone offends you that you're to go to that person by yourself and let them know. And if they don't listen to you, then you're supposed to go with another uh a friend and, and confront the person and if and if then if they don't uh heed to your uh request then you bring the whole church you bring them before the whole church so remember what jesus said at the beginning of the parable it said this is what it's like in the kingdom of heaven and so what is an earthly representation of the kingdom of heaven today the church the church so this is a lot about relationships between fellow believers. Uh, Lori was saying earlier, well, you can't throw your pearl before swine. Well, we are still to forgive even non-believers. Like, we're supposed to forgive people. Um, because through acts of forgiveness and expressions of kindness, right, others can know the love. Right. I do forgive them, but you got to be... Right. But the point... Wise the, enough not to keep... The point is well taken in this sense that an unregenerate heart is not going to be able to grasp the concept of forgiveness. You you see, like they're not going to want to share it. They're not going to want to have it themselves. They don't have it themselves and they're not going to want to share it with others. Because they're wicked at heart. Yes. An unregenerate heart, someone who does not know Christ, someone who is not a born-again believer, is not going to be able to grasp. Someone that continues to take from the church and take and take and take. Sure. You have to be careful. Sure. So 
he says he was unwilling. So the other people, the other members of that community, of that kingdom, uh, heard what had happened. They saw what had happened, and now they go to the king. So the fellow slaves saw what had happened. This is verse 31. They were deeply grieved. They came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Now, why are they deeply grieved? Because they're upset about their fellow servant that had just been thrown into prison for owing a day's wages. Then, summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you of all of that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And the Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what was owed to him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive. Uh, if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And so this man winds up being thrown into jail and tortured until he can pay back what he owes. Is he ever going to be able to pay back what he owes? No. No. So what is the point? The point is is that God's judgment is coming. And all of those who are not forgiven will be judged and found guilty and tortured. We'll spend an eternity in hell. All of those who know his forgiveness will spend an eternity in heaven. But one of the greatest indications that we have that forgiveness in our lives is when we're willing to share it with others. And how often have we been imprisoned? How often have we been imprisoned by our own guilt and our own shame? And beat ourselves up and tortured ourselves for things that we've done. Why? Because what you're saying, I'm just being honest, because I, I used to say the exact same thing, and I try to teach myself not to say it. Now, what I'm saying when I say I can't forgive myself, is I'm saying, Jesus, your sacrifice on the cross might be good enough to pay for all of their stuff, but what I've done is so bad, what you did can't cover what I did. What I'm saying is my sins are too bad for his goodness. I have to recognize that I'm a child of Adam. And I have to turn from the sins of Adam and turn from my own sins and hand them to Christ who paid for them on the cross. By saying I cannot forgive myself, what I'm saying is I'll hold on to this guilt. I'll I'll fix it myself. I don't need your work to fix that. I'll get it. And what happens? We live imprisoned in our own guilt and our own shame. And one of the things that you'll find out happens is you usually turn into the very things that you hate. Right. So, all of those years of of holding resentments towards my dad about what kind of man he was, I wake up and look in the mirror at 30 and wind out I'm 10 times worse at what he was doing than he was. You're 30? No, that was when I was 30. That was 22 years ago. All right. Yeah. You see, and, and how often that happens. 
the very things we hate in others, when we hold that hatred towards them, it eventually we turn into the very things that we despise. Because that's how sin works. And it's deceptive and it tricks us. So this is a very, very powerful uh, lesson. And I want to encourage each and every one of you because I am just as guilty of you of holding on to some of my debts and saying, well, I'll just keep this one for myself. I am very uh, capable of deceiving myself into thinking I can pay it back. When in reality... As soon as I say I can pay it back, I'm now trusting in what I do and not what Christ has done for me. And the freedom comes, the forgiveness comes in his shed blood on the cross. That's where the freedom comes in. That's where, what is, the, what is that old hymn we used to sing? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. So he's the one that paid the debt. And if I have truly turned away from sin and self and turned to him, that debt has been paid. At the last minute, though, he kind of regretted, not regretted it, but he said, if this cup could pass, please take it away. Well, that was his, in his human nature. He was horrified and of, of the fact that he was becoming the sin bearer for the world. He's scary, yeah. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might know the right. You know, he, he took upon himself our sin. And he knew for the first time in his in in his life that he was going to be separated from the Father because of sin. But that was temporary, right? And 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 the the death of the cross is brutal, and mm-hmm. and it was it is still one of the worst. Well, it's probably the worst form of uh, uh, capital punishment that there is. And he was terrified. It, I mean, nobody looks forward to going and willingly laying their life down. Ronnie, I was wondering. Uh, you know how he, the master was angered, and then he delivered him to the jailers after you know after he called them a wicked servant. And I'm thinking, well, once we're forgiven, we're, we're always forgiven. So I was a little confused about that, but then I, I have a study you just got, note. All right, we got a Lori study note here. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but it really cleared it up for me. Okay. And it said. Um, because he is holy and just, God is always angry at sin, including the sins of his children. The jailers were jailers, not executioners. This picture, this picture, severe discipline, but not final condemnation. All his debt, the original debt was unpayable, and the man was still without resources. So it seems unlikely that the servants was saddled once again with the same debt he had already been forgiven for. Rather... What he now owed his master would be exacted in chastening, or chastising by his master until he was willing to forgive. So he he wasn't resaddled with the day. Our sin. No, 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 no. He right. wasn't being punished. He wasn't being punished for the ten thousand. Right. That was you were. He was still forgiven. He was pun- being punished for the unforgiveness. Right. Unforgiveness. Yeah. So I, that, I was a little confused when I read it, exactly right. but then that really cleared it up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like on Judgment Day. It was like, oh well, you were forgiven, but yeah, because too bad. yeah, too bad. Follow now go to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's very important to our eternal security important. that we have been forgiven. But again, remember at the beginning of the lesson, I said one of the things that we need to make sure we grasp in this lesson is... We can be chastised, too. Yes. One of the things that we definitely need to grasp is that 
to the the assurance that we have been forgiven is when we know in our heart we're willing to forgive others. That's how we can truly know that we've grasped his forgiveness in our life. And so I would encourage each of you today, maybe you're riding along in your car or walking down the street this afternoon and somebody comes to mind that hurts you, maybe that's the Holy Spirit bringing up to you that you need to let that go. It may not be something that you can call them up and say, hey, I'm sorry. But you can go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, they don't owe me anymore. It may be somebody you need to pick up phone and call and say, hey. It may be somebody you can't find. Yep. Yeah. Well, you can And you say, hey, I really hurt you, and I'm sorry. And they may spit in your face. Yeah, but if they, I mean, if it's something they did to you that scarred you for life, then... You know, maybe we hurt them, but it, it was them that hurt, hurt us. Man, man, again, for man. me, for example, it was, uh, I'd never been in trouble before, and I was with this, my boyfriend, and he got a bunch of stuff, hit it under, hit it somewhere, but I, we went to jail as co-defendants, because I was with him, and I ended up going to prison, and he took off. Mm. And I'd never been in trouble before. I mean, I don't remember four days of my life when I got sentenced. I just blacked out. And that's what started jail for me. But I ended up going to prison. Oh, wow. Hard time. I Yeah, I mean, I've moved on and all. And I've looked for them. Can't find them anywhere. Well, it could be best. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, it could be... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hash that up again. This was many years ago, but I don't think I've ever forgotten it. But I mean, without me going to prison, I have forgiven. Because without me going to prison and being sent to these two different places, the closeness that I got with God's people inside, and it was the gospel song that kind of saved me in there because I started bellowing out some songs, and I was no longer looked down upon. And I was got to be part of their group. And I met some people that I'll never forget. But, you know, they they accepted me the way I was. And um, I don't know, it's just in prison, it's it's rough when you're in prison. So, and I was very young. So by being accepted by this group of people, it really helped me. We, they were always going to church. I received a very good, my first study Bible ever. Mm. Yeah, my first study Bible. It was so, I mean, there's so many things that happened to me in it that got me closer with the Lord and got me so interested to learn, you know, and the study of being able to, to look for those explanations when I'm a little bit confused. And I think that really started my hunger for the ministry and the gospel. Sure. And not only that, so now it, you're able to reach out to others that have gone through God's it. It was God's plan for me to go there. Yeah. But I always felt like it was his fault. He left. All right. So now, now, and I'll remind you. Do you remember the story of Joseph and his brothers? That his brothers sold him into slavery. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the story, when he finally meets his brothers again, what did he say? You meant this for. He bad. said, "You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good." Right. Right. And did he? And did he hold it against his brothers? Mm-mm. No, he forgave him. Matter of fact, after his dad died, the brothers came back to him and they were saying, hey, listen, right before dad died, he said, please don't hold this against us anymore. Yeah. And Joseph started weeping. Why? Because he had already forgiven for him. And just them bringing that back up again showed that they didn't trust in his forgiveness. Uh, I never thought about that.
So, so you can truly, because you have a heart that has been forgiven, you have a heart that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I fully forgive him and, yeah, for, and understand that one thing. You can honestly me. look back on your God life. God used him to put yep. me where I needed to be. You can honestly look back on your life and you can honestly say what you meant for evil. Your boyfriend and the things that you did. Oh, yeah. What you, was right there with him. What you meant for evil. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, there's a lot of things that he did that I did not know about. Yeah. God meant for good, and it turned and it turned your life around, and God used all of that brokenness and all of that sin. Yeah, there was a lot that I did know about, and I was right there anyway. So, but yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Lori, and, and I hope that this lesson impact it, this lesson always impacts me because it always reminds me of what Christ has done for me, and how I need to be willing to share that same type of forgiveness with others, and and how often I'm not cap or I'm not I am capable of it. I just don't yeah, want to. Yeah, wouldn't it be great that we could, for, you know, right there when it happens, that we could be gracious enough not to get angry, upset, and mad. Yeah. And and instead of it being an afterthought mm-hmm. and then forgiving. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? So, what we need to do, remember is what Christ did on the cross for us, and the fact that we have a King that will never say to you, "You owe me." Because of this parable, I have learned to forgive money debt. I mean debt to folks that I know can't afford it. Well, thank y'all for being here. It, uh, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer, and y'all have a blessed week. Make sure to share your forgiveness with others. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this lesson. Um, thank you for the cross, and thank you for what you did on that cross so that we could be forgiven. Thank you for paying our debt. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fill our hearts with an awe and wonder of that and that you will help us to share that forgiveness with other people and that you will convict us in parts of our lives where we have uh, taken advantage of your love and your mercy. And I know we're all guilty of that and we're sorry and we just ask you to continue to conform us to the image of your son so that we can walk in your likeness and not in our fallenness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.